I am the associate and youth pastor of Lighthouse, and I'm also over discipleship, okay? So discipleship is big to me. So there's several things that I do in the context of church. One of the things that I'm really super excited about is launching the School of Supernatural Leadership that will launch in September. And there is something that I need your help with today. We are going to be sending out a survey. So when you get, when you get a survey on your phone today, I need you to, if, for all of you that could, could you fill that survey out for me? It'll take you less than two minutes. And I kind of need at least 50 of you to do such a thing because it helps me make decisions. When I was, uh, when Pastor Ken asked me if you wanted to do the school, it's taken me a little while, but what I wanted to do was I wanted to create a school where ordinary people could go to. What do I mean by that? I was at a conference earlier this week and uh, it was a great conference, okay? And w- what I'm about to say is I- I'm not coming against conferences. I think you should go to conferences. Go to as many conferences that are about Jesus as you possibly can. Go, 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 go. They're awesome, all right? And I was sitting in this conference, and I'm, I'm probably three rows back, and it took me until like 20 20 minutes into the worship set before I could get in, get my mind to Jesus. And what, why would you say that, Pastor Daniel? Well, the lights, oh, they're getting, see, the, everybody's feeling sorry for me because I'm losing my voice. They're so sweet. All right, everybody uh, take a sip of the drink that you have. All right, oh, I, still, I still think it's the same. All right, you're just going to have to go with me. Um, so, I'm, so I'm at this conference. I'm in the third row, and you have these big screens, and it's lights, and it's camera, and it's exciting, and it's loud, and it's in my face, right? And so I'm like, okay, okay, okay. I'm closing my eyes. I'm trying to get through this. And then finally, they start singing about Jesus. And then I get to the point where I'm like, okay, this is great. All right, Jesus is here. And then I start asking asking Jesus some questions, and here was my question. I was like, I'm just not into all this. Lights and cameras and flashing and action. I was like, I feel so out of place, Jesus. I feel so out of place. I just want you. I just want you, Jesus. I just want to spend time with you. And I said this question, and I asked the Lord a lot of questions. You should too. He doesn't answer all of them. Wish he would, but he doesn't. But I asked this question to Jesus. I said, is it all right if I just focus on you? Is it all right if I just say, you know, my life, this is my life, me, Daniel, your son, can I just spend my whole life just focusing on you? And it felt like he said, yeah, that's okay. And I said, why do I feel so out of place? He says, you don't worry about that. You just focus on me. Have you ever felt in your life, and maybe you're not, maybe you're one of those people that can do 150 things at one time and be really productive (laughs) and keep things going, but have you ever had, has your life ever gotten to the place where it exceeds your ability to hear clearly from Jesus? Have you ever gotten to the place where it's just so busy, there's just so much to do? That it's gotten to the place where you just like, well, what does Jesus have to say about all this? I don't know. I, I got to do something. I'm too busy for Jesus. Have you anybody there? I just, and, and so the school of supernatural leadership, here's what it is. It is going to be a school 
that's going to slow you down so that you can hear clearly from Jesus. And it's going to be a school that's not about profit. It's going to be a school that's not about celebrity status and cultural relevance. It's going to be a school that's focused on King Jesus. And I'm going to just take people, and this is what I'm going to say. I feel like I've been put on this earth to do it. I'm going to, t- I'm going to tell people I need, you need to slow down before you speed up. Because we talk a lot about urgency, and I, and I say we need to be urgent people of God. But can we get to the place where we're urgent for the right things? And maybe you have the capacity and the understanding to get with Jesus, and in a matter of two seconds, you know exactly what to do, and you're running. God bless you for that grace and that anointing. I don't have it. (laughs) I just want to slow people down and say, let's study the person of Jesus and see how he operated on this earth. And that's enough for me. And so my desire as your pastor of this marvelous church that we're in, is is it, is it enough to just gather and study Jesus? Is that enough? Because I was telling Jennifer, I was like, if that's not enough, that's all I have. <laughs> but I answer to one person, and his name is Jesus. And so that's my offer. If you're online, you're in here this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to look at a passage in Scripture, and we're going to see how Jesus operated. Uh, There's this passage uh, in Psalms 138, verse 8 says this, The Lord perfects those things that concern you. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Oh, I love that verse. Jesus is actively perfecting those things that concern you. The Bible's pretty clear about worry. It says, do not worry, right? You've heard that in Philippians, do not worry. And I would even go as far as to say it's a sin to worry. I don't want to make you feel bad. Some of you are like, I'm worrying every day. I'm just, I'm like, Jesus is enough. He can help you with that. But I, but I, think, I think worrying is missing the mark. I think that's a, that's a softer term, but it's missing the mark is sin. It's the same thing. But I don't think concern is a sin. And I'm concerned. Are you concerned? I've been concerned. Matter of fact, I'm concerned about myself sometimes. Anybody else in here? <laughs> and so I was, I, I was reading a book, and I have to read a lot of books, and I'm reading this book, and it's, it's not a Christian book. It's about innovation. And, and when I read, I'm always putting everything through the Scriptures just because, you know, uh, I think that's what you should do. It's the safest thing. Well, this guy was saying, hey, when you go to sleep, you ought to allow your conscience to solve a problem while you sleep. And I had this great idea. I was like, I'm not getting into all that. But I was like wondering if I go to sleep and I have a concern, if I would go to sleep and I would ask the Lord, can you solve this for me while I'm sleeping? And then two weeks later, I come across that verse Psalm 138, verse 8, that says, the Lord is perfecting those things that concern me. And I was like, there, I got it. I got the text. So I began to go to sleep and be like, I'm concerned about this, Lord. Will you help me? And those concerns are a lot, right? You can be concerned about your child. You can be concerned about work. You can be concerned about the school or whatever you're responsible, concerned about your spouse, concerned about yourself. And I'm like, what if I'm asleep and the Lord would just answer my questions? And you know what? 
He is so faithful that he began to answer some of the concerns I have. And so then I began to think about this word concerned. And the, my message this morning is I'm concerned. I'm concerned about how we treat people. I'm concerned how we treat people. As Stephanie Chappelle said it last week, she's talking in Genesis where it says that we were all created in the image of God. And if we're all created in the image of God, then as believers, we should be treating people like they're created in the image of God. And so I'm concerned. I'm concerned about the church. I'm concerned how we treat people. And so in John chapter 8, you can turn to John chapter 8 or you can look at your notes. In John chapter 8, Jesus encounters Oh, I should say, Jesus is presented with a woman that is, that is caught in the act of adultery. And how Jesus treats this particular situation, to me, is mind-riveting. It is, it is, it is, a, is a passage of Scripture that should uh, convict you, challenge you, and at the same time, give us an understanding of how we should treat people that are created in the image of God. And so this morning, as we work through this text, um, I just want you to go with me. Are you ready to go with me? Let's go. All right. Verse one, it's in your notes or in your Bible, either one. Let me give you, before I read it, let me give you some uh, interesting facts about uh, John chapter eight, verse one through 11. If you look in your, in your Bible, it says that this story was not in the early manuscripts, all right. Now, I did some study and research that indicates that, uh, that this story would probably be better placed in the Gospel of Luke. It has a lot of Luke's uh, messaging, right? And in, in Luke chapter 22, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, an account that kind of depicts that where this situation happened. And if you read your Gospels, if you read the Bible, and I encourage you, if you're new to uh, Christianity, start in the Gospel of John. But as you're reading the Gospel of John, you'll notice the story just doesn't fit. It doesn't make sense. All right? And so then I was like, okay, well, then why, why wasn't it in here? Why, was it, why, did, why did they wait to put this story in late? Now, every scholar believes that this story really happened. Okay, so it's a story that happened, therefore it's a story that um, requires our attention. The second thing is that some people believe, some scholars believe the reason why this story was put in later was because of how it showed how Jesus interacted with the woman caught in adultery. Like his approach to justice and mercy was so mind riveting that the early church didn't want to put it in. You know why? Because they were trying to control people. Like they didn't want to get it out. They didn't want the word to get out in the streets on how Jesus operated in justice and mercy. So then it was in, it was put in there later. Um, is it, and so let's go into it and, and I'll give you some insights. Are you still with me? Okay. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. 
Now, Jesus is where all the rest of the Pharisees are. They're, they're at the temple. They're teaching um, their people. And when they, when they taught, the Pharisees taught, they would sit down. And when they sat down, it was an indication of their authority. So Jesus is in the same spot with all the rest of the teachers. Now, he's teaching something different. He's teaching the kingdom of God, but he's there. And so he's gathering, he's sitting, and he's talking to his disciples. Verse 3, the teachers of the law and Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now what do you say? Now notice, These Pharisees are bringing this lady that has been caught in the act of adultery. Now, my first question is, where is the guy? Where's the guy? And look, check this out. They have probably held her overnight. So they have basically apprehended, uh, harassed this lady that was caught in adultery. She's probably scared. She's probably, she's been manhandled. They've kept her. I don't know where the guy is. Did they let the guy go? Did the guy run? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. You don't know. I don't know. But the guy is not there. And so these Pharisees have grabbed this woman, and they are looking to trap Jesus. It'll, it'll say that here in, in a second. And then when they approach Jesus, they approach him as teacher. It's like this, it's like this uh, term of respect, but they're not really respecting him. Have you, ever, have you ever experienced that in your life? Somebody will be like, they'll say something nice, which says ah, there's something not quite right about that. Well, these Pharisees have looked for an opportunity to what? To trap Jesus. They're trying to trap Jesus. They have no concern about this lady at all. They're not concerned about justice. They're not concerned about righteousness. They're concerned about trapping Jesus. And they take this woman. This is horrible. And, and, I, and we're going to stay here for a second. And I hope it makes you feel uncomfortable. All right? Just so you, just so you know, I know that this is uncomfortable. And we need to feel it. Because this woman has been taken, harassed, helpless, and she's been dragged into a moment where Jesus is teaching some people about the kingdom of God, and they just throw her right into the middle, and then they say this, these words, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery, and the law of Moses commands us to stone such a woman. Now what do you say? What do you say? My concern, church, is sometimes I think we have stones in our hands ready to throw and accuse. And I'm here this morning. We got to put the stones down. We got to put the stones down. Now, the Pharisees had it right in the context of the law of Moses that it was uh, permissible for this woman to get stoned, but they got it wrong on so many levels. First of all, stoning didn't happen in this time period. Secondly, in order for them to be stoned, the man and the woman would have to be brought to trial. There would be an investigation into the crimes that were committed, and then there would be a judgment that would be released. Now, most of the time, it was not stoning. It was strangulation, which to me was just like, oh, wow. So, I mean, it's, it's a serious crime. But what they 
What the Pharisees did is they bypassed a whole lot of law of Moses to bring this helpless woman in front of Jesus and to catch him in a trap. They're not treating this woman like she's created in the image of God at all. It's horrible. It makes you sick, doesn't it? It makes me a little sick talking about it. I need to move on. But notice what they say. They said, Moses commands us to stone such a woman. Now, what do you say? Here's an interesting fact, is that Jesus, as we read through this passage, Jesus is not going to give the Pharisees the answer. He's going to give the answer to the woman that is right before him. Because someone greater than Moses is here. And so they were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started writing on the ground with his finger. Now, no one knows what Jesus is writing. They have, they have great insight to what they think he was writing. And I think that's all fun to do. But there's really nothing that we can take from the text to know what he wrote. Uh, some, some people say that he's writing their names. Uh, here, here's one that I thought was interesting in the fact that this happened on a Sabbath. And you couldn't work on a Sabbath. Uh, Jesus was writing in the sand because you could actually write. You couldn't write on paper on the Sabbath, but you could write on sand, in sand on the Sabbath. And so some think that he's communicating to the Pharisees that he knows the law better than they know the law. And if you think about it, the finger of God is actually there. And so they don't know what he was writing, but we do know this about this text. Whatever he was writing wasn't enough for them because they kept insisting that he respond. Here's one of the insights to people that I would call have shallow righteousness. Shallow righteousness demands an answer. Shallow righteousness demands an answer and has no concern for the soul on the other side of that answer. And so we need to be careful. We need to be conscious. As believers of Jesus, do we have a stone in our hand? Have we looked at the person that we're, try- we're going to fling the stone at? Are we demanding an answer? And so these Pharisees are demanding something from Jesus. Uh, have you ever been uh, caught in a trap? Has, that, has anybody ever set you up? I've been set up. I'm not as smart as Jesus. Maybe you are. But how many, how many could be set in a trap and then you don't realize it until like two days later? That's how I am. I'm like, they set me up in a trap. I fell into the trap. And then two days later, I realized the trap is on my foot. <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, wow. They, they, they did. Oh, wow. I just got played. <laughs> that, that's how. That's how. Uh, yeah, I'm not as smart as Jesus. Maybe you're a little quicker on, on, on that kind of thing. But we need to be careful about setting up a trap in people's lives. Like, for instance, if you wanted to, you could fi- uh, Don't do this. Okay, don't do that. <laughs> but you could follow me around, and you could catch me in a trap. Because I'm liable to say something I'm not supposed to say. Do something I'm not supposed to do. So if, you, so if you really wanted to say, wow, I wonder if Pastor Daniel's as holy as he says he is, which I have never said, Jesus is holy. <laughs> but I mean, if you wanted to set me up and follow me around, I'll fall in that trap every time. And I think as believers, we need to be careful about that. Are we just looking to find somebody doing something wrong so that we can just fling our stones? 
Is that really how Jesus operates? Is that really how he deals with people? Are we just looking with a stone in our hands? Who is going to break the law today, baby? I mean, be careful, right? Maybe you have set somebody up in a trap and thrown a stone. I wouldn't say I was innocent on this matter. I mean, I've been on both sides. I've had such holy indignation about the things that are going on in this world that I needed to go write that. I've been there. I think, it was, I think I was angry more than I was walking in love. What I'm saying is that we need to slow down and think about how we're operating. And so they keep insisting uh, on Jesus, and he straightens up and he says to them, he says this statement, see, Jesus is so awesome. Let any one of you who is without sin be the, the first to throw a stone. And then he went and started writing again. <laughs> and here's where the Pharisees got it wrong. First of all, the Pharisees said, the law of Moses commanded us to stone this woman. What do you think, Jesus? First of all, they put the whole emphasis on them. They left Jesus out of the equation. They didn't say, Jesus, the law of Moses commands all of you and me to stone this woman. They said, the law of Moses commands us to stone this woman. So Jesus takes that statement and he says, yes, you are correct about the law of Moses. But the law of Moses also says this, that if you are going to accuse someone of committing a crime, then you needed to be innocent of that crime that, you commit, that they committed. Woo! So what Jesus is saying is if you have a stone in your hand ready to throw at this woman that is before me, you better not have done the same thing that you're accusing her of doing. And then one by one, it says, the Bible says, one by one, from the oldest to the youngest, because the oldest are like, oh, you got me. <laughs> and begin to leave. I call it the stone cold truth. <laughs> <laughs> Stone Cold, yeah, it was a, it's, a, it's a wrestling reference. I'm a youth pastor. <laughs> and here's my point. Jesus has the authority to accuse those that accuse. So we need to be careful in the context of having stones in our hands, don't we? We need to be careful about operating in shallow righteousness. And I'm not saying we don't need to to call things out. I'm not saying we don't need to write something. I'm just saying we need proper perspective here because Jesus operates right here in justice and mercy at the same time. We tend to like to separate the two. And we, we, we base it on personality. Well, I'm just a truth teller. <laughs> well, you're just a child of God created in the image of God that's supposed to act like Jesus too. So factor that in to your truth that you're throwing, or your stone that you're throwing. And so just slow down a bit that Jesus has the final word. And then the story shifts, and I love it, because now we can all get past our uncomfortableness. <laughs> Verse 9, at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left. With the woman standing there, Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? Now, the first thing 
I want to offer you is there was some hope for the Pharisees because they left. Some of the Bible in the, tra- in the translation, the Bible says they, that they were, their conscience was uh, ev- evoked or, or, or they were convicted. Uh, now, most scriptures put that insight in, though, though you could say they left for a reason, right? And so there are hope, there is hope for the Pharisees in the context as Jesus caught them gave the stone-cold truth, and they left. So there is some sign there that they, that they understood what they were doing was at least wrong in some context, right? Because they didn't throw the stones, so to speak. But I wonder sometimes, if we're not careful, if our hearts can get so hardened and so distant from the compassion and love Jesus has for people, that we could be presented with a truth that the Lord has for our lives and we could not turn turn away and walk away or we could not drop the stone. I don't want that to be you. (laughs) I don't want that to be our church. And I know we have a a lovely church. We have an awesome church. But I want to warn you that if we're not careful we can get so hardened to the things and the atrocities in our world that we can just want to throw stones and not offer mercy or perhaps throw a stone at Jesus, at someone that Jesus wants to save. And so just slow down. And so he talks to the lady. He says, Jesus straightens up and asks her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said, then neither do I. If you're looking at this in the NIV, what I want you to do is, is to uh, cross out the word then. then. Then should not be in there. What the Lord said was, no one, sir, she said. He said, neither do I condemn you. Why is that important? He, because then doesn't matter. Jesus was saying, I am the judge and I am the jury. I am the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I'm not associating myself with those that have harassed you and thrown you before me. Then associates Jesus with the Pharisees. When you take the word then out, it says, then, it says neither do I condemn you. And I think that's quite important. There's another one that, that you need to get rid of in your Bible. Jesus declares, go now and leave your life of sin. That word now should not be in there. It should say, go and leave your life in sin. That word now could be, it could be an indication that Jesus was sending her out. It's like, straighten up, go. No, what he was saying was, go, leave your life of sin. He wasn't saying, go now. That's important to understand. So Jesus is greater than Moses and stands before the woman and answers the questions the Pharisees have to her with such mercy and grace. Such compassion. Have we gotten to the point in our lives where we can't just simply look at somebody in the eye and say, Jesus is forgiving you. 
that he has all mercy. And that there are people in our society, in our community, maybe here even in this room, that it took everything that was in them to come to a church service. Why? Because they've missed it. Why? Because they think that people in the church have big stones in their hands. And they think precious people created in the image of God that they can't walk through our church building because we're going to chuck stones at them. And that hurts me. And we need to do something about it. Because my God is full of compassion and love. And when I sat before Jesus, and my life was a total wreck, I have done so much. I mean, if you want to quantify sin, I got the woman committed of adult. I got her tenfold. I have messed up, messed up. And when I encountered Jesus, he didn't throw a stone at me. He didn't throw a stone. He offered his hand. And that exchange in my life changed everything. And I didn't go back to where I was because God's goodness leads us to repentance. You see, it's not about justice. It's not just about justice. It's not just about mercy. Jesus offers this woman both at the same time. He's saying, I love you. And I don't condemn you. And you belong Now go, and don't go back. Don't go back. So I wonder if we could stand this morning. And I don't, I know, I'm just telling you sometimes I don't feel like I fit, and, 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 and I'm not saying that so you can feel bad at me. I just, I, I, I just think we need to slow down. We just need to slow down. We need to slow down. You need to slow down. I need to slow down. We all need to slow down. We all need to slow down and consider not saving the world, so to speak, but just about the people that are around us. And some of you here this morning, you've had stones thrown at you. You've, you're, 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 you feel like you've been harassed and hurt. And I'm here to tell you, from the bottom of my heart, I believe that Jesus has sent me here to tell you that he has cleared the court. Amen. That he has cleared the court. And you might have rocks from the north, the south, and the east, and the west. But Jesus is saying to you today that the only person that you need to answer to is him. I tell my kids this all the time. I, I forgive completely, totally. 
And I will not swim in their sea of forgetfulness. You know why? Because Jesus doesn't swim in mine. And I say, yes, children, you're going to reap what you sow. And there's decisions you make that are going to cause. But that is not the character of Jesus. That's life. Living in a broken humanity. What our king offers is a life of freedom and forgiveness. A life of love and compassion. A savior that understands when you hate him, he still loves you. When you don't understand and you can't grab your mind around it and you can't make the dots connect, he still loves you. When you're kicking at him, when you're, when you're frustrated and aggravated, Jesus is still there for you. That's our king. That's our king. He's not waiting for you to get everything together. He's simply waiting for you to come to him. He's waiting for a relationship with you, and it's not about what you can do. It's about what he has already done. The message of the gospel is about what he has already done. Jesus is enough. He is more than enough. His blood is more than enough. His re- he is more than enough. And I'm concerned. I'm concerned we chase after the wrong things. I'm concerned we're busy, but we're not spending time with Jesus. I'm concerned we're throwing rocks instead of offering love. I'm concerned we're trying to pick people apart instead of picking them up. I'm concerned. And if you're in here today and somebody has has pushed you down, I'm here to say you are welcomed here. You are welcomed here. Jesus is exalted here. He has cleared the court in your life. It's just you and him. He has the final word, the final say, and he has decided before the foundations of the world to call you chosen. He has decided before anything has happened to call you son and daughter. He has decided well in advance to offer you a place in his kingdom. So I wonder with every eye closed, every head bowed, and perhaps you're here this morning and you haven't given your heart to the Lord and you, you're trying to connect the dots and they're not connecting. You're, you're trying to fit in things that just don't fit. You don't really know. You, you think you know Jesus is real, but you don't really know. Is the, can I come to him like this? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Scripture says that, that uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would come to him would not perish but have everlasting life. You just simply need to come to Jesus. You need to surrender your heart to Jesus. You don't have to figure it all out. You don't have to connect the dots. You simply have to register, understand, uh, think about the fact that Jesus is alive and he died for the sins that you've committed and God raised him from the dead. You just begin to put your trust in him. Stop waiting till everything is together and put your trust in him. If that's you this morning on the count of three and there's nothing special about the number three, but if you are here this morning and you want to follow Jesus with the rest of your life and today is your day, it might be a rededication. It might be the first time that things have just clicked. If that's you this morning on the count of three, one, the Holy Spirit is drawing you. Two, Three, all across this room, who, for whom the sun set free is free indeed. 
for free indeed all across this room. Is there anyone? See, that's a concern for me, and it ought to be a concern for you. If we gather on a Sunday morning, then there's no one far from God in our midst. And so maybe you're here this morning, and you can identify that you have some rocks in your hand. I've identified in my own life that I had some rocks in my hand I needed to drop. I'm not bringing you this word just and, and, not, and having not applied it to my own life. I will tell you what, I have dropped some rocks. And so maybe you're in here this morning and you have some rocks in your hand that you need to just simply drop. Just allow the Holy Spirit to draw those to you all across this room. If you have some rocks in your hand you want to drop, just lift your hands in the air. I see those hands. I see those hands. That's good. That's good. That's good. You see, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. He is the spirit of conviction. He doesn't convict us just so we come to Jesus for the first time, though that is amazing. He is there to walk with us and to convict us as we walk with Jesus. And as we walk with Jesus, he just, he just says, simply just drop the stones. That's all you have to do. You have to drop the stones. Just let them. Imagine, imagine your hand being clenched, and right now, you just let it go. Just let it go. Just drop the stones. Lord, I pray over this church, this precious church, that no one in here that follows Jesus would walk around with stones ready to throw that we wouldn't conform to the pattern of this world, but we would be transformed by the renewing of, the, uh, renewing of our mind, that we would be kingdom-led, that we would walk like you walked, Jesus, that we wouldn't do things the way the world did. We would do things the way you did it. So drop those rocks. And finally this morning, maybe you're in here and you've been, and I felt this in this morning when I got up, I don't cry much. If you know me, I don't cry. Try not to now. I just feel like you've been beaten up. I feel like you've been treated like a sheep without a shepherd, harassed. And maybe it's this story, man. I've been studying this story, and I just, I can't get over how the religious people devoted themselves to following Jesus could treat another human being like this. And maybe you feel, maybe it's not adultery, maybe it's not the situation, it's just you feel like you've been treated like that. And I know that's deep and I know that's hard and I don't even know how to, I don't even know how to wrap it up. But if that's you this morning, if you feel like you have been, people have been throwing stones at you, I just want you to put your hand in the air if that's you this morning, all across this room, I see those hands. I see those hands. Oh my, oh my. Lord, I just pray for those that feel like the, the stones are coming from the north, the south, and the east, and the west. I mean, they're being accused of things maybe they've done or haven't done. Or they've been treated less than what they truly are. They are children of God. 
They are a royal priesthood, a chosen generation. They are sons and daughters of the Most High God. Lord, I just pray for that release of love. You know, Proverbs says, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. Lord, I pray that you give them wisdom on how to guard their heart. I'm not promising you this morning that the stones aren't going to stop being thrown, but I can promise you that you have a king that is the judge of all judge, that is the silencer of the accuser, that is, that is the Lord of lords and the king of kings, that you have one that is greater on the one that is inside you than the one that is in the world. And Lord, I just come against the stone throwers in our lives, that you would silence them in Jesus' name, that you would silence them in Jesus name that you would silence them in Jesus name Lord I come against comparison I come against uh, uh, the the fear of man the stones that are being thrown at the church the stones that have been thrown at the people of God in the church has begun to change their perspective about you listen to me those stones are not a representation of the character of your father in heaven those stones are not a characteristic of his love, his forgiveness, his peace, his wisdoms. Do not allow those stones to become a part of your identity and harden your heart towards the things of God. Do not. Do not. Do not. Do not. Now just let the Holy Spirit speak to you individually we just worship you today we just thank you for your goodness we thank you for your word we thank you that we have direct access to the throne room of God Lord I thank you for each and every individual online in here that have devoted their time and their attention and their affection towards you Jesus we love you we adore you in Jesus name and all God's people said